Hey everyone, welcome to episode 357 of This Is Whole Life. And before we get started, big props to everyone that's listening. I shared this with Jeff the other day, and I know it's hard to maybe put a, a firm grasp on it when you just hear numbers, but when you see it on a graph and you actually see the numbers, in two out of the last three months, we've had over 2,000 downloads in the last two out of three months. And the, yeah, one, and the one in between was 1,200. I was actually surprised. So that means over 5,400 people have listened and, and downloaded the show in just the last three months. And over the course of time, I was checking another stat, which is a unique listen uh, or a unique listener means it comes the listener comes from the same device. It comes from the same IP address. So if you've listened to the podcast more than once, you're a unique listener. You're someone that has listened to more than one episode. And it's a pretty good gauge by the latest statistics, the latest standards as to how many people listen to your show. And our show, it's about 6,500 people that listen to our show have or have listened to our show more than once. Wow. That's a really? that's a big chunk of people. Thank wow. you. From like 80 yeah, thank some thank you so much for listening. 80 some countries and I'm like, like I'm really proud of the work. So I just wanted to throw that out there. And someone's been sharing a lot of podcasts to make those numbers. And thank so you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That. So I wanted to start with that. Oh, and a church retreat update. Josh's morning uh, message has already gotten about the same number of listens as a, a message that's been out for a month. Oh, wow. So you guys have eaten up that hour and a half. Or no, that was the Monday. Or no, that was the regular one. That was our, our podcast from the A-Frame. So long episode, and we're, st- and we're already crushing numbers uh, mm. this month. So thank you for that. And then third, everyone stopped me, at, and I, I totally forgot to mention this, but I didn't get one person that said no to the new podcast idea. I got a lot of thumbs up. Okay. About we should do this new podcast. Mm-hmm. We should we should give it a whirl. Okay. But more than one person had the same suggestion and I don't think they talked about it. Okay. Okay. They thought how cool would it be for people that listen all the time that maybe they get a chance to read the story. Oh. What if they came into the studio, maybe even after like in between Sabbath school, I'm here in the office yeah. in my office where we record. And you could read the story so we could have people that wanted to, if they, they could come in and read the story. And maybe if they wanted to come on Tuesday, maybe they could be a part of that week's episode every once in a while. And that would bring in a little bit different flavor from uh, from from our listeners. So that was another suggestion. Yeah. And we could figure out maybe how to make that work. Yeah. So anyway, something to think about if you have a suggestion on that, 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church and let us know. Because so far it's all... Good feedback. All like, yeah, Excellent. I totally listened to that. So nice. There you go. All right. Negative reinforcement versus positive reinforcement. Melanie, since you were the person who got the negative reinforcement <laughs> correctly, um, could you give us a rundown on what that is real quick and just like, hey, this is what this is what it is and this is what it isn't. I think Jeff should also be a pretty big expert. <laughs> yeah, on I, I'm That's thinking, what I'm, thinking. I'm, I'm I'm not the expert in the room on uh, psychological uh, things. <laughs> Well, wow, that's passing the buck. That was nice. That was smooth. That was really nice. Team effort. Yeah, that's well, true. there is a, you know, it's a hard one because you think of punishment usually as negative reinforcement. Yeah. But it's usually the idea of taking something away to create that uh, condition that you want. Okay. That's what we usually think of as negative re- reinforcement. So what would what would be what would be something you would take away to make that happen? Negative reinforcement. Give us an um, example. So if um, 
if a child, uh, say for instance, uh, well, okay, Pavlov's dog started to, I don't know if you're familiar with that, yeah. but mm -hmm. the idea was that when the bell would go off, mm -hmm. he would start, the dog would start to, you know, if there was food involved, in other words, the bell would go off when food was offered, and yeah. then when food wasn't offered, and the bell would go off, food, would, but they still, so in a sense, you take something away from that conditioning, and it creates what the desired response that you want. Okay. Okay. So in the case of our sermon, slavery. Slavery. You remove slavery oh. from the equation and show why. That's a big one. Yeah, that is a pretty huge one, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the one that I, <laughs> the one that I, I, I'm going to operate here on a much simpler level. <laughs> okay, yeah, go, go for it. Let's go. So we're going to go all three levels here. No, go for actually, it. just. Um, so, and this is something I remember from my Psych 101 class. Yay. Um, so if you have a headache and you go take an ibuprofen and your headache goes away, then what are you going to do the next time you get a headache? You're going to go take ibuprofen. You're going to take some ibuprofen. And that's going to make your headache go away. And so whether it's an, whether it actually makes it go away or it's a placebo effect, either way, something negative goes away when you do this action. Hmm. So that, that negatively reinforces it. That's, that's what I remember. Is that, what, what do you think, mm -hmm. Jeff? Yeah. Does that work? Yeah. It, okay. doesn't, it doesn't sound right, though. I can see why Ken got it. Because as soon as you said that, I'm like, wait a minute. Are we sure Melody was right? Because this is <laughs> well, it doesn't it doesn't sound right. Even though I I, I totally believe you, but it do, it doesn't seem to fit. No. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of jump in there a little bit. A positive real simply. If if you want your child to do their homework, okay, or you're hoping that their child would, you would say, okay, you're gonna get candy if you do your homework. That's what I want. Or you could also say... Meaning positive reinforcement. Yeah, that would be positive, positive reinforcement. Yeah. You're adding something to condition them, so to speak. Yeah. Or you could say, um, I'm taking your phone away until you get your homework done. Mm. Would be something that I'm taking away to get them conditioned... For negative reinforcement. As a, as a sense of negative And so what, what is it called when you use both? Because I, you know, I, as you use that analogy, Sparkle, it's like the positive reinforcement is: look, you want to turn the TV on to your favorite show for half an hour, you've got to do your chores, you've got to do your homework, you have to do, you know, like, there's like four things you need to do, and if you don't, and then if that doesn't work, it's like, but if you don't, <laughs> then you're not going to, and you're, you know, you're going to get in trouble. So she likes to say that if she even just misses a little bit, wow, that's it, I'm grounded. I'm grounded, you know, for the negative but reinforcement. That's punishment. But that's punishment. But that's punishment, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so, different. A little bit different. So basically you're you're taking, you're removing a negative out of, you're removing something. Not even, it's you're removing something that's undesirable. But, why, but in, in this story, I thought it was a little bit odd. I don't know if I've ever looked at it as, yes, we, what is, how do we usually word it that, you know, God uh, rescued them from slavery mm -hmm. or, you know, he, he led them out of Egypt, but it was, it's all more from the, the side of we're going to the promised land. So it's almost like, well, you're just leaving slavery behind is more so than you're removing it from my life, which, I mean, it's the same thing. But it, it feels like there's a different connotation if you say it differently. Anyone else think feel that way or is it just me? 
Well, I think what's for me, and as I was uh, formulating this, what I think kind of came out to me was that when you look at um, God just repeatedly throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament says, I'm the God that brought you out of Egypt, the land of slavery. Mm-hmm. And there's just multiple texts. I think there's 67 in the New Living's translation, other translations, just depending just on the, how they're wording. Yeah. But, but in that, there's 67 times where that, that phrase is used out of Egypt. And it, what becomes significant to me is that in Exodus chapter 20, to preface the Ten Commandments, which it would seem that the Israelites have somewhat forgotten these, to preface it, God starts it off by saying, I am the God that brought you out of Egypt. And so he's kind of saying, do this, remember that negative that I've taken out. I've taken this negative out, and now I want to talk to you about something that I'd some behaviors I'd like you to do. But see, then I think you we immediately, my mind goes to, I did this for you. And now I'm looking for, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a little, a little payback. I'm looking for this. And if you, I mean, I've already done something for you. And maybe this is the human aspect. I've done something for you. First off, you should be really happy I did it for you. Two, I think you owe me. <laughs> And three, if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, the, the commandments, this is why I always go back to what when Zed talked about that there they were less commandments if in, in his view as they were a coming alongside of and and a request of of the Israelites. And what did he to Jeff, I, I have looked forever to try to find where he told us that on the podcast. He said, Oh, I don't call them commandments. Because I think the word is is better translated as, um, and it, the word wasn't. Request. Oh, you talking about uh, Zed? Zed mm-hmm. oh, Stefanovic yeah. when he was he went through the Ten Commandments with us on the podcast, and in his and it wasn't part of a message though. He came and because I've looked for the message and I can't. It was find actually it. during a, um, oh, I think it was the Jesus and a cup of Joe. I think it was at the church retreat. Right, and then he, he said, that. and he brought it back to when he was on the podcast. And I've listened to the episode, and he didn't say it, but he was it, he was talking with us about it. And I wish I could remember that word. I have to next time I see him, I have to get it. But he said it, it wasn't so much a command like you like the iron fist that we think about, but it was more of as a group and as a family. This is what we're going to do together. We're we're going to do these things. And yeah, I think he he was saying that much like uh, these are our um, and he didn't use the word blessings, but these are our yeah. Are kind of our statements of, of, oh, what was the word? I know, and it, it drives me crazy because I think it would it would be for me it was really handy. And was it commitments? Commitments. It yes. might have been commitments. It was the commitments, and it's like it's different when it's a commitment or a command because otherwise, I always feel like this part of the story just gets jammed up into I did it for you, you owe me, and if you don't, that's where we get the Old Testament God that wants to smack us, unless it's more of a commitment well, where we're into this together. Yes and no, but yes and but, no. Okay. But think about the Ten Commandments are our behaviors that God's asking for, right? Mm-hmm. Have no other gods. That's a behavior. Don't do that. Honor your father and mother. That's a behavior. So is God punishing if you don't do it, or is it? It's it's like, I guess for me, it's it's kind of like saying to my kids, don't walk too near the side of that cliff because the ground could let out, and then gravity will do something. I don't hate you, right? If you choose to walk over there, it's not that I hate you. It's just 
that's the way that cliffs and gravity work. If and you if get, they fall, you didn't. I didn't. You push didn't punish you. them. I wasn't. And so I'm trying to remove. And <laughs> I caught you last time because I was walking with you. But if I'm not with you, or you're not with and me, and that's you know, and then and I suppose that analogy can start breaking down really quick. <laughs> um, but. That's what happens when you go first. <laughs> right. But but my point, I think, is is that God is basically saying, look, the things that I'm asking, the behaviors I'm asking you to adopt will keep you out of slavery. It'll keep you out of oppression. It's going to be good for you. I, I'm removing a negative when you do this behavior, not because I'm punishing you, but just because that's the way you know gravity works. Did he do the slavery thing on purpose so that they would equate what the Egyptians did to them as far as being enslaved to, if you don't take my suggestions, I just know because I'm God that it's going to be worse for you and kind of like another type of slavery if you don't. I mean, was that on purpose or do you? Did God make them slaves on purpose? Or did he he use that? No, did he use the analogy to try to help them understand what kind of negatives he was trying to keep them from? By using that, do you think? I, I, I just like thought it, it was. It, I just thought me. it was interesting that Melanie's scrunching up her face. So let's hear what Melanie has oh, to no, say. I'm just, I'm just enraptured by this, uh, this interaction. I'm listening yeah. <laughs> with, with no opinion. <laughs> I don't know. I began to, I'm beginning oh, well, to be I, able to read Melanie's face. I, I, yeah, I, I felt like they, I was totally with you. I felt like she's like, guys, guys, come on, bring this back around. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to keep listening. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. Jeff. Well, I, first of all, I, I do think we're still back to the, this negative reinforcement piece. And I don't think God wants us to fall back. I don't think that's the, yeah. you know, when, when you think of, uh, when I'm thinking of negative, when I still think of negative reinforcement, the, I gave the example of the kids with homework. I, well, the, the issue is you don't want your kids to not do homework. I guess you want your the idea is you want your kids to end up doing well, just like God wants us to end up doing well. So we do things to encourage something from happening that isn't going to be good. Right. So in this whole piece of slavery, I, you know, I— I think what happened, you know, you look at the children of Israel and when they all of a sudden they come back out of slavery and everything is like laws. And I think that's when we started. Melanie, you've done some history on this too. I think that's when didn't we establish the Pentateuch and the Torah after the, well, that was post exile, right? Actually, I don't know. I don't know. I the think it, I think the, Pentateuch was post-exile. They put together Genesis, Exodus. This, these five books were put together after the exile. I'm not sure because I know that what was it? Uh, Josiah Josiah digs up the the book of the law. Right, right. But that's and that's, that's pre-exile. But isn't that Exodus? That what I'm saying is they were put together as a Pentateuch. Oh, okay. You're saying it became one. Yeah. Um, that and they, Pentateuch, for the record, means those, those five, five books. books. Genesis, Genesis okay. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, okay. Deuteronomy. So, I, you know, you kind of get this idea that we're trying to avoid 
slavery again. We're trying to avoid, and that's that piece that I think you were talking about. So I wonder if it's coming after this exile time that people are going, we need to never do that again. We need to get our people to never do that again. Because it's so still got to be super fresh in their mind. I mean, it's not like they would yeah. have forgotten by that point. In- so I wonder if the behavior that that God was trying to enforce was not necessarily the behaviors in the Ten Commandments, but maybe like Ken, like you said before, maybe those Ten Commandments were like the sunscreen that you put on to prevent. And maybe the, the behavior that God, I'm just... I'm just off the cuff here. Maybe the behavior that that God is trying to establish is, is that of trust. The behavior I want from you is to trust me. So I removed this negative. And here are a list of laws, commitments, sure. whatever you want to call them, that will uh, eliminate the potential for other negatives to start creeping back in or other kinds of slavery to start creeping back in that damage the relationship with God or damage the relationship with other people. So I don't know that it was necessarily so much about the Ten Commandments as it was about the process of that relationship of trust. Off the cuff, Melanie's my new favorite. Well, Melanie. I think we need to give her, I think, we need, I think she's actually officially... <laughs> If this is her first time off the cuff, welcome to the team. Yeah, we're so glad I'm to have say, you here, Melanie. We all this studied is, before we got is, here. Well, you is, usually is, I use the other cuff. I, I use the other cuff. We're just—I feel like you officially get your uh, podcast badge today, then, because uh, is that a real? Is I, the podcast badge? I wish real that honor? somebody would come. You know, they would just call us on most of these things. I know. Well, no. Like, usually, I like to think for like two or three seconds before I open my mouth on yeah. the podcast. But no, this time, good. I was just sort of bypassing. Like I said, here's your badge. Welcome to the club. True or false? Podcasting is an honor. I think that was, if that's a that's a yeah. quick back reference to a Saturday Night Live that's program. Night if you were not at church retreat, we found yeah. out there was a whole bunch of fraudulent honors out there yeah. we didn't know about. Yeah. We set the record straight though. By the way, that was that was fantastic, Molly. That's you said yeah. you said exactly what I was trying to that say in a much better way. So, given what you just said, then how do I know? Which God I'm talking to. I mean, because I have to have faith that that really is who God is. I have to know him somehow to know that he's benevolent enough, that he's good enough, that he's proven himself enough to – because maybe I haven't had um, slavery as a people to go, wow, that's a big – that's a big move. He picked – you know, that's a major heavy lifting. What if I'm – I haven't really had that in my life? How do I know that that's the same God that is just going, hey, I just want to prevent and make this a little bit easier. The more you know me, the, the probably the more you're going to trust me, have faith in me. But And it's not that God of the Old Testament that we so often just go, Whoa, I don't really know if I like that God of the Old Testament. He's a little, he's a little feisty. He's a little quick to anger. Uh, people, you know, touch the ark and get you know, get shot, you know, they're, they're immediately done. How do I know which, which God I'm dealing with? How do I get to, or how do I get to that point if I'm not sure? Because it sounds like that God is a lot easier to be in trust and communication and relationship with than the God I'm probably fearing. Again, the, maybe the commandment versus the commitment. And that's maybe why God said to them, I am the God that brought you out of Egypt. Because he was trying to clarify his benevolence to them, hmm. and and so, what does that clarification look like for you today? I mean, I know it's going to be different for everyone, but I mean, what is what is that clarification? How how does Ken know? I mean, 
you didn't just go, well, I'm, I, I changed my course of my career. I'm going to become a pastor. And now everything is, you know, complete and solid. And I've got this, you know, for me, for me, God clarifies it on a pretty regular basis. I, I look, I think you have an option in life. You can look at the good things that happen in your life and you can say that's chance. That's it's, you know, it's this, that, or another, but you know, um, just to put it in real terms, I mean, uh, when we bought the house that we bought, we knew that it was going to need a new roof. We bought it about two years ago, actually, two years yeah, ago. April. About then, yeah. And we knew it was going to need a new roof. And uh, the market being what it is, the seller was not going to be doing that. And so, you know, we got the house knowing that we we're going to need to put a new roof on it. And, you know, life happens and the money that we thought we were going to have for it went other places. And, um, and so I've been, I've been just be honest with you, just stressing out a little bit about where, where the money was going to come from to take care of that roof. And, you know, we got, I've been postponing having the roofing people look at it. I've had one person gave me a quote and I'm like, Oh my word, this, you know, this is not going to happen. So finally <laughs> I put it off as long as I dared. And I'm starting to have nightmares where <laughs> water's pouring into my house. Right. And so, um, we had, a, had another company come out take a look they gave us a, a better quote and i still was trying to figure out where I, even with the better quote i was trying to figure out where the money was going to come from and for me i have been through so many things with god i just put it in front of god i said god look i don't i don't know what to do i know i need to get this done it's got to get taken care of it's you know otherwise it's, there's going to be a bigger problem and just rashawn i just prayed about it. we put it out there just didn't know and just to kind of for us this doesn't always happen. You know, this sounds like one of those stories where you, I know it, <laughs> stuff doesn't always work out perfectly. Like yeah. in this particular case, so it, to me, it's still not perfect. I would have, but the money came through and, and for me in a miraculous way, my, <laughs> my income taxes have usually been costing me money. And this year there was money that there that I didn't expect to have coming back nice. yeah. that helped me um, towards the financial goals that I had. And, and like I said, there's been other times where I prayed, and that hasn't been what happened. There, were, there was roughness, but there's every time I've had a sense of God with me hmm. in that in those moments. And so for this one, I'm, I'm really grateful. I, I just put it there, and it was, and I just knew God was going to fear something out, and He did. And so for me, I review the things in my life. I look at all the different things. I look at. I can look at the ter- there are terrible things that happen too, but I look at how God has been with me through those things, how he's been with me in the past. I review that. I look at what's happening in my life now, and rather than saying, well, that's just, you know, just good luck this year, for me, it's, it's, it's me just trusting God and saying, look, I think that you had something to do with that. I think you brought me out of the land of slavery. I think you brought me out of these different places. I think you had something to do with with how things are going right now. So I don't know if that's, you asked me for me. Yeah. And I don't think that works for everybody. I think that maybe mine's a, maybe my faith is a little bit more simplistic or something in that case. I don't know. I think I so. Yeah. But, but for me, that's what works in my walk. If you're asking me, I also, like I said, I have friends who've gone horrific things and they've prayed about it. I, I mean, I remember talking to one person that just been through the ringer and they said, I just never feel like God ever talks to me. God never has anything to say to me. In all my life, I have never heard God talk to me once. And I didn't have a good answer. I didn't yeah. have a good answer. I don't know what to say. I, I don't know what to say because 
for me, I hear God talking, not audibly, audibly, yeah. but I feel God. I, I experience that. And so when somebody tells me that they, they're not, I all I can do is pray about that and say, Lord, I, you know, I really, if you're there, I'd love it if you would, yeah. if you'd let them hear you. And I and I can't explain, and I and I and I don't. I reject the fact that they're not looking. I don't. I, I know they're looking. I know that person was looking. I know that person wanted to experience God. So, you know, these are the difficult things. So, if you're one of those people listening, you're like, "Well, man, Ken, I'm so glad God came through for you on my roof. I I need a roof, and and yeah. life isn't working out quite that way for me." You know, then you know what can I? What I say to you is, man. I'm praying. I'm praying that God shows you himself, that God reveals to you in a way that you see and that you can hear. And if he's not, if God's not doing that, I'll keep praying. And I don't, I don't put that judgment that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I don't know. Melanie kind of preached about that a couple weeks ago, um, Mm -hmm. a little bit. And because you know, like I said, we all I love telling miracle stories. I do because for me, I see God working, and for me, it's awesome. I love seeing those things, but I also recognize that other people just have a completely different experience. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's valid. I mean, we all find different ways that we hear things or we see things, and maybe it's got a lot to do with the way we interpret the world around us whether that's a more positive or a negative or maybe how you feel about your fellow man in general. But I think there's a lot of times where sometimes the simplistic is I can choose and I can look at that track record. And even if it's not a, you know, a great one where you've heard God audibly say something or, but when you look at all the other options, there's nothing that's any better and what, you know, or no, or even you have to you have to dig a lot deeper to try to find an explanation for it than to just give the credit to God. And when I, I, in I, particular, when I look at those ten commandments, I just think the world would be a better place. Yeah, if everybody did those things, I think people would be happier <laughs> if you could agree to the ten and just say, "Let's do these." I just think overall, yeah. as principles, that the world would be you know if people weren't murdering each other. <laughs> If we didn't spend time wishing that we had things that w- that weren't ours, Ooh, that, 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 that other people have, and look, we all struggle with these things. It's like, but I just I know my life would be happier if I was, you know, spent a little less time wishing that I had what the guy next to me, the lady next to me, had. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that would be better. And I look at those Ten Commandments, and I just think, you know, th- those are good things. It's a loving God that says, "Hey, this is how to have a relationship with me." This is how to have a relationship with the people around you. I think when we start moving into Deuteronomy and Numbers and some of the rules that we see there, I think we're looking at rules that were handed down for a you know forty year camping trip, yeah. um, and they had an important fo- purpose. Some of them I can't figure out what they were, <laughs> I, to be honest with you, but but others of them, others of them, a lo- I'd say the vast majority of them, I can look at them and go, okay, I can see why God might have asked them to do this or do that. It makes sense in the context that they were in why God would do in that, that. In that time period, yeah. Well, and just as a little tiny detour, some of those are casuistic laws, which means that they were um, applied to a very particular situation um, that maybe happened once and went before, you know, before someone who was judging and then that law was created, but it wasn't created for everyone for all time. It was... It was like this precedent was established here. 
Well, it does get interesting, doesn't it? Because like I said, for me, the Ten Commandments seem pretty universal. But there are, I mean, you know, I, I shave the side, my, my, <laughs> my beard, the sides of my beard on a pretty regular basis, which is I'm not supposed to do that according to Deuteronomy. And I also don't put fringes on my clothing. And I also wear blended clothing. That which was I'm very not... tedious. I, I quit doing the, the fringes thing a long time ago. Did you ago. quit that, that a while was, that ago? Was a, that was oh. very tedious. I just couldn't get down with that. I just... Okay. <laughs> I, I also noticed you must have given up the, on the fringes of your beard fringes a while ago. Fringes of your beard. Yeah, no, yeah. Although it does look like you're growing your hair out a little bit. So. Well, it's, you know, my, my, I was mentioning that my mom noticed that too. You know, she's in town and so she likes to make sure that well, I'm looking good. And so it's, it's I am due for a haircut, so. And there are people who actually do that, of and, it, and it's meaningful to them, Absolutely. you know, religiously. So, so I, I wouldn't, you know, I don't know, I wouldn't disparage that necessarily. But I think it, it does, it does make sense to look at them and say, hmm, does this makes sense for our context. But there's none of the, I mean, there's like none of the ten that I could say would be not good for me. Or something that wouldn't improve, like you said, if we all just, you know, of course, if we all agreed on the 10, we probably wouldn't still be here, right? Wouldn't do, maybe, <laughs> could be. That's off the cuff, Randy. I didn't really think about that one. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Melanie. <laughs> you, I, I you looked said, over, you looked well, over no, me. Well, no, because it's just like, it's, so I think that there are exceptions to lots of different rules. I mean, if you're hiding Jews in your basement and somebody knocks on your door and says, hey, you know, do you have anybody in your house? And you answer no, that is the right thing to do, regardless of the fact that the commandment says, you know, don't bear false witness. Of course, bearing false witness is... I yeah, that that, was, that's a complex thing in itself, but but I guess I'm just I'm just complicating things here. That's all I'm saying. But see, that's the, that's the part that I think when we when we talk about messages like this, this is the part where you want you want answers. You know, people want answers because you're in the struggle or you're you're feeling like, man, it's been a long time since I've had a win. I've I've had my Egypt out of slavery experience. I've prayed over something and it was a big sin in my life or it was a relationship that needed mending. And I really felt like at that time, God came through and uh, maybe I gave him the credit and I, you, your faith is renewed. Your sense of Christianity and your sense of your relationship with Jesus feels really solid. And then it seems like you go on this long thing where you're just kind of doing life and then well, shouldn't there be more or shouldn't there be something else that happens that maybe boosts me up or makes me feel something that I haven't felt for a while? And then, I mean, Satan uses that as easily very much as doubt and as, well, see, you didn't have to do all this. Nothing's changed. It's all been good. And this is where I really feel like people that are struggling, sitting on the outside, almost feeling like they're looking in going, well, wow, man, that's great. Like Ken said, I'm glad he came through on that roof for you and be genuine about it but then also on the same turn feel like man i haven't i haven't felt even a small win in a long time and i know there's no hard and fast answers but that's uh that's, that's a kind hard of the, one. Melanie's, well, isn't it nice that Jesus loves you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah. I feel like the further we go sometimes so, we go we go back to those but, but but again i think that i think that things start falling in place Sometimes when we look at the bigger picture as opposed to focusing on the minutia, and if we focus in on the two commandments being love God, love people, you know, to very generalize, that gives us a little bit of an understanding of the nuance that goes along with the commandments. So is it loving people 
to tell the truth when somebody is going to to have their life taken from them. Yeah. And that's where we get into some interesting ethical discussions, and I think it's it's complicated, and I think that people who want to make the Bible absolutely black and white in every case— that's um, a tough one. That you you really start running into some problems because so you 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 would tell the truth if you know if sure somebody came to your door and said I'm gonna you know dis- is so and so there if they are I want to I want to murder them you, would you would you do that I mean I I, I can tell not. you as a summer camp director we had somebody show up at camp to pick up a child at one time that that I knew was not supposed Most to be there people. and so there I. I lied straight up. I like <laughs> yeah. they're they're not ready to go, and I called the police, and we waited until the police got there to sort things out. But I I lied, and I lied with I was happy to do that because yeah. it was protecting that that person. And so you know, and we can you know, you can, there, each each one of the commandments we could talk about one by one, I suppose, and go through. But overall, when you think about what it means to love people and love God. Those are a pretty good broad generalization. It's usually good not to lie. It's usually good to tell the truth. Um, it's usually good not to murder people. Yeah. And I think it also has to do with maturity, too, because, for example, the younger your child is, the more rules you have for the child, right? right? And the more specific those rules have to be. Did you clean your room? Did you brush your teeth? <laughs> did you do this? You know, did you do that? And I, um, you know, I mean— my youngest is 27. I'm not going to show up at his house and knock on the door and ask him if he brushed his teeth because that he is old enough to manage himself now and to think through those things and understand, oh, this is what I need to do to be a healthy person. So I think the same thing can be true with God. We can have all these rules or as we sort of mature and be, be able to, you know, uh, think at a, I guess, a more mature level then we can apply those things appropriately without having to have all the you know the minutia of the rules. Yeah, I like that because I think then I can put myself in without I mean, at least for me it doesn't feel bad to say well, you know I'm, I'm I might not be as spiritually mature as, as Jeff or Ken to to feel that or to or to have that realization or to maybe identify things that they may identify in their journey or vice versa and be okay with the fact that maybe that's just not where I am in my walk with Christ yet. But, you know, that and to not let it slow me down for though from continuing to be in that walk. That's, that's really good. I like that. I, I think too, there's this idea of accountability in terms of all of this and that the commandments help us understand that we are not accountable to ourselves. In other words, we are not our own God. Mm. That yeah. in this relationship, I have a, I have in a sense, a dependence, a commitment. That's why I like Zed's word, thanks Ken, uh, of a commitment. These are our commitments because it creates an accountability mm. of, I, I'm not, I don't answer to myself. There is a, there's a higher, there's a higher. side to, to this relationship. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get to the questions, and we only we have just a couple, and I think this one we answered. So which one? But I'm going to ask it, and if we did, and you want the answer, you're going to have to go back and to the you're going to have to go back to speaking of grace. Which if you swipe up in today's show notes, you will see a link, and that will be the most recent episode where I believe Ken may have answered this question with Haas in our Q and A. How does Pastor Ken's analogy work when we look at people? 
people groups who face adversity by following Jesus? I think you answered that one, didn't you? I did, but I think I also said that we would probably talk about it a little bit did more we? on mm. the podcast because it was a good okay. question. Yeah, well, it's, uh, So I'd love to hear what Melanie and Jeff have since I've already answered <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, already, you already did your part. I, I think in my, just to give a quick summary, what I said is I, you know, I said I don't think every metaphor works well across every, you know, across yeah. every, 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 you know, in every situation. This might be one of those times. And so, you know, I think the person's asking what, what happens, you know, is God not particularly happy when, or is he punishing people who are suffering or, you know, if they're, there's certainly people who have historically found themselves in slavery. Does that mean that God was mad at them or something that he didn't bring them out of slavery or, yeah. and, or, or if they're being persecuted? And, and like I said, this is where the metaphor doesn't work. You may not be, I think that the number of people throughout history have found themselves not physically free, but have been able to find themselves spiritually free in the midst of forced servitude. And it's an unfortunate thing when, when human, unfortunate, it's not even the right word. It's a horrible thing when, when human beings uh, enslave other human beings and make them less than the image of God. And so, um, you know, again, I, I, I don't think this metaphor perfectly. I don't think you're out of God's favor if you find yourself in hard times. And I don't think that just because you follow the rules, it means that everything goes perfectly. Okay. That kind of goes back to the whole idea of negative and positive reinforcement again, is that are we following Jesus to get a positive thing like his favor? That's sort of how we think of it. Or are we doing things to avoid a, a, Avoid a negative, avoid the negative, a negative piece of hell or persecution, and um, and I and so now I'm going to be good so that I can avoid that negative piece. I I think that that this is a relational question. I think that, mm-hmm. like um, that. what what we if if we're just trying to figure out how to manage outcomes, then yeah, we're always going to be. Um, struggling with, how, mm. you know, why are the motivations or what's come. But if, if I desire a relationship with Jesus and that's what I go for, um, that's different than an outcome. Yeah. I like that, Jeff. I, I think too, we have to be, un- there are some unfortunate things about metaphors and mm-hmm. sometimes metaphors um, that are used in the Bible that we continue to use um, equate things with sin that people have no control over. Mm. People mm-hmm. have no no control over the fact that they've been enslaved, you know, for 400 years. That's not something they did to themselves. So to compare that kind of slavery to sin doesn't work. Yeah, that's hard. When yeah. you when you compare, you know, you know, mm, a, a sort of um uh, a, a disability of some kind to, to sin. You know, I was blind, but now I see those kinds of things. I mean, we have to be careful with the metaphors that we use because they can stretch in directions that we don't want them to stretch that don't really work. So I don't, I mean, and I don't know what to do with that because those metaphors are there, but I think it's important to have a sensitivity to that. Make sure we're keeping it in context or whatever context we're putting it in. Hopefully we're not going, we're not pulling it out of another one on the back end as we're pulling it this way for our use. All right, kind of along the same uh, same vein a little bit, no name, which we were getting more creative each week with our names online. Um, <laughs> is the Sabbath a kind of negative strength or the way to walk humble with God? 
and this was this was a little bit it was within a, a larger context um, in in the in the course of the in the conversation. And I think it it, it kind of came through. There was anonymous asked, "Do you think God today is still trying to take us out of Egypt, this world?" And it was part of that conversation where the rules or the commandments or the commitments, such as the Sabbath, I mean, are those? Can we use them as a negative? Are they a kind of a negative strength, or is that just taking those and, and making them humil- humble, staying humble while we walk through this? In, in in that case, is God still trying to use those to take us out of Egypt or this world? And uh, I thought that was an interesting um, question, and because the Sabbath can mean so much to so many different people, it's good. I know it's hard to add. It's kind of hard to answer that question as well. Yeah, that's a difficult one. I think I, I think you're right. I think it has to do with how you look at the Sabbath. I mean, you can look at the Sabbath as a rule. Mm-hmm. You know, you can look at the Sabbath as sort of an end time test of loyalty of some kind. You can look at, or you can look at Sabbath as as participating in a vision of shalom, where you mm-hmm. you want to be in harmony with God, in harmony with people, in harmony with the earth, and that is a it's a beautiful way to do that. And it, when you look at it from that perspective, it's not a matter of Okay, I must be obedient want, to yeah. this. It's it's more like, hey, I buy into this. Yeah. I, I like I like where this is going, and I want to be part of it. I like it that it's important to to uh, for my family. I like that it's important to my family. It's important to my kids. They look forward to it, and that together we're you know we do the best that we can with whatever rules we have as a family to focus on God and and focus on each other and and that together time that we just frankly don't get that much during the week. So, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I, I, you know, I think about this from the standpoint of I, I love being with my wife and I enjoy those times. Um, and a, we have a date night every Thursday. We take a date night. Nice. And um, it's fairly sacred these yeah. days. You know, we try not to pull, plan anything on that night. On that and time. I think the, I think our staff knows that. So when they call me, I probably am not going to answer answer the phone and so on and so forth. I would hate to be, in a sense, now graded on how much I love my (laughs) wife (laughs) uh, by, you know, by how I plan or how I, you know, make my dates. So I think we have to realize this in a relational context much more than a, a kind of a grading base yeah. or really loyalty just, base. Yeah, it really just comes back down to that, you know, that kind of final thought idea is that God didn't bring them out of Egypt to keep a bunch of rules and he came, yeah. brought them out of Egypt to, to for to for freedom, to be yeah. to give them the opportunity to connect with him if they chose to do it. Yeah. Um and to connect with each other and to be in deep relationship and I I think um I think it's just so important for us to remember that God really cares about relationships. He really cares about the relationship we have with him, and he really cares about the relationship we have with each other. Yeah. And when you look at any of these things, if if it be, if the if the action becomes more important than the person, you've lost the you've missed you it, lost man. the point. 
Well, I think in that case, and that really answers that question, is God still trying to take us out of Egypt? And I think absolutely. I mean, he's promised to come back. And if we look at these as like, again, almost like you just described the Sabbath, Melanie, where it's, yeah, I'm buying into this. And I can I can look at what you might think the Sabbath might mean or the end of the end of times and all those things. And you can, you can fret or you can just go, God's got it. I'm on board. And I think this is the best way to charge forward and with maybe the least amount of stress involved in when God, uh, if God tells me something different, hopefully that's uh, that's one of those things we'll we'll learn from each other. Yeah, I think that God's bringing people out of Egypt every day, and I yeah. think that I'd like to think that whole life is a is a is a bit of a promised land. That that when people, I like to think that when people come to whole life, they experience unconditional love, and they ex- the love of God and the love of of other human beings. And, and there is a lot of Egypt out in the world where the, that is not yeah, the so. experience. And not just out in the world. There's a lot of Egypt that has crept into Christianity sure, um, where, where, where there isn't that, that unconditional love that is shown and given and experienced. And I think, I think it's important that that be a culture because that's the culture God desires. I'm glad it's our culture. Again, with great apologies to anyone who is Egyptian who happens to be listening, that you are also part of an unfortunate <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's true, too. Exactly. I'll have to look online and see if we have any listeners yeah. from Egypt. But, well, yeah. of course, just because you listen from the country doesn't mean that that's where that you're uh, – Nationality yeah, fortunately, there's either. no Babylon anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> Gets a little easier. One. All right, we got two questions and a comment to go. Uh, Aaron asked, how do we stop interpreting the Bible the way we were taught and instead that God is protecting us or helping free us, kind of like your uh, story with Kyla, like, hey, if you just don't don't push <laughs> and if you pull how do we how do we uh, and that's again I, you know uh, i love the fact that it, no one is afraid to ask the hard questions that there's not great answers for and and uh, and have to wrestle a little bit with those but um i think it goes back to what we've talked about a little bit already with you, know, you you've got to get to that point in your journey you may not be at that point where you've even realized like kyla hadn't at the time she didn't know that Mom and dad are here to help me, probably, but do they have my best interest at heart? Because I've been screaming and they're not here yet, so maybe they don't, right? So I think it's it's part of that uh, part of that process of becoming more. What kind of horrible people would put <laughs> would put cupboard doors, doors in a kitchen? In a kitchen, why would who you would do, do that? that? Why would you, who would you know? That was a trap. It this was, was a test. It was set up. So, right. Yeah. So read the question one more yeah, time. Yeah, it was a good beginning. question. How do we stop interpreting the Bible the way we were taught, and instead that God is protecting us or helping free us? So that is the assumption there is that that's, that's not what you were question, taught. That's a good question, though. That is, is a good question. Yeah. I think one of the things that's helped me, and I'm sure everybody that, that is that I rethink and redo, and sometimes even retell the stories that I've always been told. Sometimes. You know, we think of children's stories and we look at those and all of a sudden we realize they were, you know, we told those stories to our children for a particular reason. But, you know, just like Paul says, when we get older and we can. So I would go back to these stories and and dig, you know, all of a sudden you realize the nativity scene is a completely different story no matter which 
uh, how you come at it, from you, which, which one, yeah, even, even which gospel you read, which one so, you read it in, yeah. So I think it's important for us to not take the stories that we've always been heard at face value, but we come back and we say, let's let's revisit those stories and have fun with them. Let's see where we are in our next yeah. Uh, yeah. next next place in life before, and yeah. then read them again. Continue on. Yeah, if you're asking that question, you're probably on the right track anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just kind of yeah. be, be open to learning. Be yeah. open to the fact that you don't know everything and that there's more information out there. And then go about acquiring that information the way that you best acquire information. Um, you know, some of us like to do deep research. Other people tend to be a little bit more, you know, intuitive or or conversation, having conversations with people, but whatever it is that, that, you know, the best way that you gain information, go, go about gaining it and keep a mind that's open to, yeah, to hearing things. I think I just, I think we just answered Sharon's question, which is our final question. Uh, She said, I have a statement from Desire of Ages, page 72, which says temptation, poverty, adversity, maybe leaving something behind is the very discipline needed to develop purity and firmness. And our question is, how can we see clearer his purpose and God's love for us when we're going through these circumstances? And I think what we just what yeah. we just talked about in answering that previous question, I think applies here too. As and I really like what you said, Jeff, is like you read the story for your kids, but then you read a different story when your kids become in middle school and they have questions, and then as teenagers, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it keeps it's, building, and we. It's pretty disheartening when you see him creating the world and like six or seven chapters Chapters later, later. he's destroying everything. So you kind of have to go, okay, what is really going on here? So what is, you know, what is, is, is that really, you know, when you start putting all these things together, it's really important that we see a a little bit deeper with, with more, uh, with clearer eyes, so to speak. And I think, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, and, and kind of maybe jumping back to the, the previous question, there's no such thing as a pure reading of scripture. Mm-hmm. Anytime, anything that you have been taught about scripture has come from a particular interpretation. And one thing that I think is helpful, if you're a deep research kind of person, if not, that's okay, um, is is to think critically about who is benefiting from this particular interpretation, uh, who is who is being potentially marginalized or oppressed from this particular interpretation. And sometimes that, that, and recognizing that there are many different ways to interpret, these are called hermeneutical lenses. You can look through a particular hermeneutical lens that will provide a particular interpretation. And sometimes you go to the text with whatever that is, and then you get out of the text what you want to find in it. But I think that it is helpful to understand that there are multiple ways to interpret things, and any interpretation you have is going to be something that is is um, is influenced by a particular interpretive lens. And I would say continue to listen to messages that happen here at Whole Life Church because <laughs> I feel like, you know, we have a long history of not only, you know, Andy, who was here for a long time, and Jeff, I mean, you've preached here countless times, and even guests that have been invited to preach here, I feel like, usually come at a subject like and, and Melanie I mean brand new here look a couple months but three messages that you know when you said I don't think you've ever heard 
you know, the story of doubting Didymus, um, <laughs> you know, in exactly this same way before from this angle. And to me, that's some of the most helpful ways is to, for people who are deep dive thinkers and researchers like you guys are, it helps all of us when we hear a message that, and I'm not saying you always agree with it. It's like, I don't, I don't know if I believe that or not. But it's still, Come on, Randy, really? No, well, okay. you know, I'm no, but if but it it really challenges what you think you know, and then you go back or watching the chosen right now. So many people are watching the chosen, and then if you go into any 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 you know board where there's comments about you know an episode or whatever, well, this didn't really happen. This wasn't this isn't in the Bible, and it's like no, it's not supposed to. But it's still it still opens your mind to possibilities and to the lenses that you're talking about. And I think that's a, as you, especially for me, the more, the older I've gotten, hopefully the more mature I've gotten, you tend to look at things and you want more from them than you did before. It has to have more meaning than this for me now. And when you go searching, you find those things. And I think you have to give God credit when you're in your Bible and you're praying that he's also providing those answers. So I think that's just a natural progression. Well, yeah. and also be aware of the fact that you you or, bring your own oh, thing yeah. to to the text. And so even just sort of critically analyzing yourself and asking yourself, what is it <laughs> I'm trying to accomplish here with this particular reading, I think can be a really good self-reflection. Am I going to be happy or sad when I when I decide what I wanted to get out of this? And it either is or isn't there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we have one one comment, and this was from Mariana Parente, and I thought it was really, really good. She said, first of all, these sermon series follow me have been amazing. I'm still processing Josh's, Josh Wood's sermon as it was extremely impactful. And Ken's sermon this week spoke to me in a way that confirmed something I've been considering for a while. Here we go. This is, again, when you're, <laughs> when you're hearing. As someone who has been Adventist all my life, I've always felt like the rules I was raised under were always so restrictive and kept me captive from enjoying life in a way. I know it sounds bad, but if I'm being honest, living under these commandments, plus the unofficial ones that the church expects you to follow, can be quite suffocating. It wasn't too long ago that I started seeing this differently. I'm in my second year of reading the whole Bible, and as I was reading Genesis again, God spoke to me about the Garden of Eden and made me think about it in a different way. Notice how the only restriction God gave was that the tree which they could not eat from. However, that restriction actually set them free because it was a limit which they could enjoy themselves rather than make them slaves of that restriction. As a mother of three, I understand that children thrive when they have limits because it sets them free to enjoy their lives knowing how far they can go. Limits bring security and as a result, freedom. It's a bit counterintuitive, but it's absolutely true. As I listened to Ken's sermon this week, twice as I translated for the second service, it brought to my mind... <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you, exactly. It brought to my mind how much God is truly our Father, and these limits He instituted are really to give us freedom. It's absolutely a mind-blowing and life-changing discovery. Cool. And I think a lot of what she had to, said, had cool. to say uh, was in answer to some of those questions, reading the Bible again, going through things, finding... in. Hey, there you go. God spoke to spoke to her while going through another text that she could take something different and change her view on something. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Being a, being in the Word and praying, it's not uh, not to be discounted either. So, oh, also, I want to. I got a really nice message from Karen in Alberta this week. So, just oh. shout out to Karen. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Oh, yeah. Karen, that's awesome. I do want to say one thing. It goes all the way back to the beginning, and I think Melanie was closer in that definition, I think, as I look at it, it's on the 
positive and negative reinforcement piece, how we look at it, it should be just basically anything we can do to encourage a positive outcome would be positive reinforcement. Anything we can do to remove, a negative. remove or avoid, no, actually or, avoid or keep from happening a negative outcome would be negative reinforcement. Okay. And that's sort of what she said as she said to the um, the piece. That's a 360, right? Or that's a, yeah, that's, that's a complete a Yeah. A, and might I, might I close with this thought? Go uh, let's, let's do it. <laughs> it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. There you go. Nice. I like Very that. Nice. Okay. So we are, we're back with follow me out series next week with what I, my, my well, last you know, this, this is Easter weekend. So <laughs> let me think, what could it be out of? What would it be? What would you say? What would you guess it could be Jeff out of what? Oh, sin and despair. I don't know. I, Would it be the grave? Oh, Good job, Jeff. Nice that's, yeah. well, that's excellent. My third page of notes says error, invalid font, <laughs> offending command. Define the font, and it comes from the. Yeah, it comes from a stack. It's like in the a font. sermon we should be preaching. <laughs> it comes from the stack in the font. That's Ken's next series. Next series <laughs> offending commands. Yeah, that's from the font. That's a that's a missing stack out of the font dictionary from our uh, copy right. machine here. But so. yes, definitely. This coming weekend is our is our Easter celebration. Yeah. So yeah. we're doing Follow Me Out of the Grave. 9.30 and noon. That's Both, right. We have services at 9.30 at noon. We uh, just encourage you to bring your friends, your family, people you don't know that... I'm uh, bringing my mom and dad. Bring them. Awesome. There you yeah, go. bring them. Both it's going to be... Um, I can just tell you, um, Melanie has written just this beautiful, poetic um intro kind of to the whole thing that's just it's going to be special there's looking forward to it oh tenebrae at 7 p.m this thursday on thursday well. night yeah tenebrae so, here we're celebrating that with um new with, city new with city. new city church which uh, uh uses our facility on sunday morning so we're partnering up with them on that excited and thank you new city for letting yeah. us be a yeah. part of that and join your your family and ours together and we're really excited about that mm-hmm. yeah so if you're catching this before thursday or during thursday 7 p.m you may have time to make it we do want to remind people though tenebrae yep. is not a um exactly like a um joyful um <laughs> upbeat uh, event it is uh, it is considering the suffering of Christ um and so it, it is a little it is, it is a little bit on the dark side it's be and somber reflective somber. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. tenebrae actually means darkness, darkness or yeah. shadow of death so yeah. So, yeah, be prepared for that. The celebration comes uh, when we get together on Saturday morning. Yeah, that's great. I like it. Ken always says that there's never a bad week to invite someone to Life Church, but I think this is a week that if you're going to do it, let's go all in. It's an especially good week. Go all in. How about that T-shirt? Maybe you should be wearing it all week and then seeing if someone wants to follow you to uh, Whole Life this Easter. (laughs) Don't wash it. You took the challenge. (laughs) Until Friday, and then because then that might actually repel people from following. Well, they'll follow it. Just wash it every day. Do it, do it during tenebrae, and then they'll be like, man, that really did stink, didn't it? Oh, my mm. goodness. Okay. Wow. Right. That's enough. Okay. It's time to wrap up. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the shares. I am really encouraged by that when uh, we went and checked this week. And uh, so you guys are doing a great job. And uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week. 